Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I've never been a liberal in any way, shape, or the form. There's no one has ever thought I was. I've been governor, I've been state secretary of state, I've been state legislature, I've been a U.S. senator, and I have voted pretty consistently all my whole life. I guess for them to get theirs, elect more liberals. But don't, I'm not asking them to change. I'm willing to come from zero to one five. That's Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. There's two senators, two Democratic senators that are holding up us becoming France. That's really something to think about, that they were that close. God, if you, had, if you had those two on board, how big could the number be? They only got the number down to $3.5 trillion in hopes that they could get them on board. If you had two you know, more progressive senators, who knows what it might be? You know, I hope I'm right. I have a theory that there are more uh, moderate senators who hate this idea and probably wouldn't vote for it, but they're given cover by Manchin and Cinema being out and proud. They're thinking, they're thinking, why would I stick my neck out and uh, and and have people on my front lawn like the both of these senators do? Kristen Cinema from uh, Arizona and Joe Manchin from West Virginia. They both got people, you know, calling their houses, threatening them, all the all sorts of stuff. So right. yeah, why would you want to be a senator and stick your neck out? I'm thinking, I wouldn't vote for this thing either. But they're going to keep it from happening. So. I was just watching AOC on the uh, steps of the Capitol yesterday with a giant rally, and she's bad-mouthing Joe Manchin, which is an interesting tact to, uh, to bad-mouth him and think he's going to come around to your side. Although everything's performative now. You know, whether you get the legislation or not, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's the main thing. It's that you get to stay in. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're all up to. Right. As you pointed out, it's not legislating. It's brand building that they do for a living. Yeah. Uh, Accumulating Twitter followers. A little more than that in a second. So the reason I think this is such a big deal um, is, and I think you should think it's a big deal, if the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, for instance, agree, this is huge. This would change the country in ways that we've never seen. Now, the New York Times thinks that's a good thing. The Wall Street Journal thinks that's a bad thing. But they're both in agreement that this is huge. This would be a major change to the structure of society in practically every way. If both Including, of these... I'd point out, many ways that are unforeseen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unforeseen consequences. And Joe Manchin actually said yesterday, he said, I think this would make us way too much of a welfare state. That's mm-hmm. when he started into the, look, I'm not a liberal. Yeah. Um, Which... you. I'd like to hear his explanation of why he's just still a Democrat. Why hasn't he changed parties at this point? But um, he is solid in a state that Trump won by like 30 points. There's no chance he's going to uh, lose by voting against this. And uh, in cinema in Arizona, I was just reading about how her popularity is soaring. She now has, you know, she got elected as a Democrat in Arizona. She has a 58% approval rating among Republicans. So she's not going anywhere anytime soon and raising money like crazy by holding firm against this make us France bill. Right, right. You know, I remember when she was running and the line from Republicans was that she was a radical leftist and I bought it. I believed it. Um, She's absolutely not. Her personal life's fairly radical, so I think that would lead you to believe that. But her personal life is fairly radical and her politics very centrist. She's a bisexual open relationship type person, right? Yeah, and wears the thigh-high boots on the floor of the Senate and everything. But but yeah, when it comes to 
She's a fiscally sane though, so I'm on. I'm on her side. You don't get mosquito <laughs> bites on your thighs. They're comfortable. You're wearing those boots. <laughs> and if you want to go fly fishing, just on a whim, you just walk out into the river. So the the super lefties who want to turn us into France are saying we're not going to vote for the 1.5 trillion unless you get the other one first, and they're holding firm to that. So Nancy Pelosi couldn't bring the 1.5 trillion to the floor last night, and is claiming she's going to today, although it hasn't happened yet. And um, the New York Times called this a humiliation for the Democratic Party, which I think seems like pretty strong words or pretty strong um, language out of the New York Times. Yeah, the Washington Post described it as warring factions of the Democratic Party. The postponement was a humiliating blow to Mr. Biden and Democrats. And then the New York Times went on to say, given the distance between the Democrats' left flank and a few centrists on the larger bill, it was not clear when or even whether either would have the votes and whether Mr. Biden's economic agenda could be revived. So the New York Times has thrown out the serious possibility that neither one of these bills happen, which would be absolutely fine with me. Yeah. but And then Bernie Sanders jumped in after this went down. Oh, good. He's on the other side of it. Oh, I, I agree with him here. I don't want him to be successful, but I agree with him. It's, a, it's an absurd way to do business, to be negotiating a multi-trillion dollar bill a few minutes before a major vote with virtually nobody knowing what's going on, he told reporters at the end. Right. And this is right. people who are talking about the, when did we start doing it this way? So everybody's arguing about the total number. I think it should be $6 trillion. I think it should be $3.5 trillion. We won't do it unless it's at least $2 trillion. They're, they're arguing about the top number and not what's in it. Right. For, right. It's obscene. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's incomprehensible. It's idiotic. So and I'm glad you brought that up. Forever, it's been all about the individual things in it, and that's what you're pushing for. You're arguing for whatever it is, better health care or, you know, tree equity, which is in there. Clam um, research. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. But whatever you think is important, but not just the number. And then you come up with a number, and as Bernie Sanders says, it's absurd to, to, to come up with a number, and then you just I, we, nobody knows what's in it. And you want us to vote. That's crazy. And he's right. Yeah. How Bernard dis- Sanders. How dysfunctional is that? Very. Just as a system of governance. And one more thing on that point. Uh, General Goldberg tweeted out, and I've been hearing a lot of this. I keep hearing people say that these infrastructure fights are what democracy looks like. This is Madisonian. You're seeing a lot of that on, like, MSNBC. It's just the ugly nature of politics. We've all seen it before. No sales, says Jonah Goldberg. This is not how the founders intended for legislation to get made at all. This is top-down. It's money-first, policy-last, without real committee debate, what we were just talking about. So much of this late-game drama, huge spending, radical policy, playing to the media, brinksmanship, etc., wouldn't happen if we still had a working budget and uh, and amendment process. If policy proposals worked through committees, if floor debate was meaningful, this wouldn't be happening. Right. So you'd work through each individual thing through a committee, and they'd argue about it, Republicans, Democrats, craft something they could agree on, and that would all work toward, you know, uh, the middle. And then there'd be amendments. We were talking about the other day how in 2017 it was the first year ever no amend- amendments on any of this legislation. You, you go back to, like, just a few years, and there'd be... 400 bills that had amendments. Now we're down to zero every year for the last three years. First time in our nation's history. Right. So no meaningful debate on the floor. And with both parties. So the speaker Mm -hmm. now determines what the bill is and puts it on the floor and everybody's expected to vote for it as it is. You're not allowed to amend it. It's completely top down as opposed to bubbling up from the bottom. So a couple of thoughts. Number one, that is the nature of power, isn't it? 
Is that is that why we're in this situation? Just because power tends to uh, centralize itself, to concentrate itself? I'm not sure. Let's contemplate that. Point number two. I almost did a feature at uh, the other day. Uh, uh, a couple of women I can't stand in politics who I agree with. Uh, AOC made the very point you just made. Bills are not brought to the floor. They're not debated. They're not amended. Individual amendments aren't voted on. It, and she was decrying this. I agree with her. It's about the only thing I agree with her on, but I agree with her. And then Kamala Harris, the right tried to make some hay with. She was in a classroom, and some kid unleashed a screed about Israel and, and genocide or something like that. And Kamala's, uh, as usual, mealy-mouthed kind of incoherent answer was <clears throat> accidentally a good one. She said, I think it's important that your opinion be heard. I think the hallmark of good education is that everybody's opinion is heard and, and weighed, and I value that you're able to express it. And I thought, you know, you're a pretty weak act, but that's true, given the state of college campuses and high schools these days where the kids are indoctrinated. Um, so, yeah, well, how? but how we got to this point, I mean, it's probably so complicated that only the mind of God can comprehend it, but we're in a, we're in a bad spot. Yeah, it's certainly. I don't. I don't know how anybody could argue it's better than it was a few years ago, even in the way we do all these things. Um, it looks like, thank God, the giant one is not going to happen. Almost impossible for it to happen, and it might not even the little one happen. But look how close we came. Look how close we came. Just one more senator, two more senators, and and we become a radically different country forever, and there's no going back. Because of a 2,500-page bill. You ever read a 900-page book? It's a beast. This is a 2,500-page bill that nobody has read and nobody knows what's in it. I mean, seriously, if, if, if the Chinese Politburo did something like that, I would be howling about the evils of communism. And yet that's what we're doing. What, what, what's a man to do? What's a woman to say? What, what can we do? Elect non-crooks? Well, Manchin, March on the Capitol and chant amendments, amendments. Like Senator Manchin said, hey, if you want to you radically change the country like this, you better elect more liberals. Um, you got to remember, Trump lost, but Republicans picked up seats in the House and held on to a tie in the Senate. So, And, and actually, if it weren't for the weirdness Trump intervening, in Georgia, the Republicans would have won the Senate and gained seats in the House while the top of the ticket lost, which is unheard of. Right. So that was not a message from America that a we want to. That's not a message from America. We want to become France. It was a message from America from enough Americans that we didn't want Trump. But that was it. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Anyway, I was sure happy to see this go down last night. Yeah. So a little more politics later on. A uh, great piece by Peggy Noonan explaining, detailing how the, the Biden administration is just a boat that is sinking fast, taking on water. Uh, plus, we have a lot of good, no, completely non-political uh, stuff. Hey, more of that report on transgender athletes and how former dudes have a clear advantage I hear has that. come out. Uh, it's it's indisputable at this point. And anybody who disputes it is just another, what do you call them these days? A quasi-religious woke crackpot. How, how about this next? We made you eat your vegetables. I made me eat my vegetables by talking about something serious on a Friday. Have you seen the David Letterman at the sports press conference thing? I have not. 
It's 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 classic David Letterman in that it's uncomfortable. It's like early Letterman where it's like this is so uncomfortable. Little Norm McDonald desk. Yeah, dare I say absolutely. Oh oh oh, and you know what that reminds me of? We also have to do this this hour. Ancient senator making ass of himself questioning a Facebook executive. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amusing. Stay tuned. Coming up. Armstrong and Getty. If you want detailed analysis of the infrastructure bills, we just did it. You can go to the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com and uh, and check that out if you want. Now something completely silly. Um, I'm a giant David Letterman fan, hearkening back to his first episode. Uh, I just was so into him. It was like... I was watching him when he was an Indianapolis weatherman. (laughs) My roommate and I in college, we both had cheap, crappy radio jobs and no money, but we would get home. We had a VCR and we'd tape Letterman, and that was our thing every single night watching Letterman back in the day. And back in the day, his show was weird. There was a lot of uncomfortable crowd not laughing, wondering what this is (laughs) stuff that went on all the time. Yep. And uh, and he kind of brought back that vibe as an ancient dude the other day. So I don't even know why he was there, but there's a, an NBA pregame going on with the uh, Brooklyn Nets playing with their star player, probably the best player in the world right now, Kevin Durant, um, after the game at the podium. So if you're an NBA fan, you know how this is. After the games, they have to sit at a table with the logos behind them and answer stupid questions, and they all hate it. Um, somehow Letterman got in there and was allowed to ask a question. I got to give this away because I don't think in the audio you'll quite get it when you can't since you can't see it. It's very clear on Kevin Durant's face. He's got no idea who he's talking to. Anybody else over a certain age, you hear Letterman's voice, you immediately know you're talking to David Letterman. Sure. Yeah. But he has no idea. He just thinks he's talking to a sports reporter. And okay. I, I don't know how long <laughs> we'll listen to this. It's 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 weird and uncomfortable. Uh, uh, Dave uh, from uh, Basketball Digest. Kevin, uh, uh, KD, why why do people call you KD? Um, Can I call you KD? Yeah. Okay. My my first name is Kevin. Uh Uh-huh, right. And my second name, my last name, my second name, my last name is Durant with a D. KD? Uh, This year, what percentage do you plan on giving on the court? 90, 95, 100, 110, what are we looking at? Uh, 110. 110? 110. Uh, I just got off the phone with the Dolan family, and they said that they're talking to the commissioner now. They're looking at working a contractual deal that will allow you, uh, when you're not playing for the Nets, days off, you'll be able to play for the Knicks. Comments? All right, Dave, that was the last one. I'm sorry, was that a comment? How about you? Do you have a comment? Wrap it up. Okay. Uh, I'm being told my time is done. Have a a great uh, year. What about the Pelicans? When you guys play the Pelicans, does it kind of make you giggle? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. That's all I got. That's it, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Okay. There you go. Good job, dude. So, okay, so that's good. So, so <laughs> what's your read on it, Hanson? Do you think he knew who David Letterman was? No, not a clue. No, I don't think he had no. a clue. Who, he just thought it was a bad sports reporter. 
asking more dumb questions. Because he, the look on his face about the whole KD. My first name is Kevin. <laughs> Last name is Trent. And I like he said my first name is Kevin Davis. I was gonna write that down, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> what percentage do you plan on giving? 110? <laughs> that had a uh, almost a Borat feel to it. Oh you yeah, know, uh... that's what Letterman was for like the first ten years of his show on NBC. <laughs> right. Yeah. The crowd was just kind of muttering. <laughs> Chris Elliott's coming up out of the floor. It's like, what, is this supposed to be funny or what is going on here? <laughs> I'm just uncomfortable. <laughs> Dave with Basketball Digest. (laughs) Oh, God, that's That's great. Oh, you know, on kind of a weirdly related note, celebrities in the news, uh, my eyes were drawn to an article uh, yesterday after the show. I started reading it, um, and I think I understand skateboarding a lot better than I did. Weirdest. And it's it's a really it's a it's a really touching wonderful story, and it has to do with skateboarding. We were just at a skateboard shop uh, yesterday, my son and I. It's a culture. It is definitely a culture. Bunch of drug addicts. That's, that plays a Wasting role. Wasting their time in a park. Plays a role. I'm hoping to try to keep my son away from that part of the skateboarding. But. Yeah, certainly. So uh, we'll pay that off for you. And, oh, gosh, we got all sorts of things. Oh, the trans athlete thing, uh, which is just, it's become infinitely clear. Plus, uh, Amazon's new robot, Astro. <laughs> Joe's got the COVID. No, I just sneezed. You got the COVID. Do I have to go? Coronavirus. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today, YouTube uh, did something that might very well save a lot of lives. Anti-vaccine misinformation has always had a huge home on YouTube. It's just like for over a decade, anti-vax creators have flourished there. They can choose to either be pro-science or anti-science. There you go. So uh, the liberal media praising YouTube's choice to pull down anything that hints at uh, maybe the vaccine's not good for this group or that group, or maybe I shouldn't take it for this reason, because you wouldn't want to have that conversation at all. No, everything must be black and white, simple, good thing or bad thing. Anyway, more on that. Uh, we got a whole bunch of good texts on the idea of should you treat people at hospitals who chose not to get vaccinated? And uh, a lot of good points on that. So next hour, maybe hour three on that. So my kids asked the other day, we're talking about Halloween. It's now October. We're still 30 days off, kids. We can't buy the pumpkins yet. They'll be moldy in a week. 30 um, days till you get to worship the devil. Uh, what scares you, Dad? What's the scariest thing you can think of? And I always say inflation. Um, that's the scariest thing I can think of. Wall Street Journal out today, Josh Krakschauer, who said central bankers who were thinking this year's rise in inflation would wind up being a short-term phenomenon aren't so sure anymore. And strategists who predicted another strong quarter of economic growth are cutting estimates. That was written before this news broke an hour ago. Inflation has hit a 30-year high in a key gauge watched by the Fed. Further fueling inflationary fears the core personal consumption expenditures price index which i just i mean i've got that on my phone it's like the first thing i look at that before the weather sure the old core index it increased by 4.3 percent on an annual basis 0.4 percent for the month of august so what is that the core pce inflation strips out energy and food prices and 
people who do this for a living say that's a better way to figure out if he actually got inflation going on or not, because energy and food can go up for up and down for such different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers are well above the central bank's targeted 2%. Yeah, damn near double. And adds credence to the Fed uh, calling for a begin to tapering its um, interest rates and getting away from their near zero levels. So expect interest rates to go up at some point. And uh, the idea that this is going to be around for a while is catching on. And the idea that pouring trillions of dollars more into the economy borrowed by the government is a, a nightmarishly unwise thing to do. So let's hope all that stuff's dead. On Capitol Hill. So, mentioned to you yesterday this uh, long-awaited study by uh, the various UK, England, Wales, Ireland, I think Scotland weighed in. Their sports authorities got together for a gigantic 18-month review of transgender people in sports, specifically the only one that really matters to the discussion, men who decide they're women, who become women or, or identify as women. Uh, 300 experts interviewed 175 organizations, and again, 18 months to complete. And uh, the result is unequivocal that long-term evidence indicates that males have numerous physical advantages in sport compared with females, and this is recognized in law. you, you got to slow down. How am I supposed to? This is shocking stuff. Isn't that interesting? I mean, to most of humanity, I think, it's so obvious they're like, why are you wasting my time pointing this out to me? But for a significant chunk of society, their ideology is so blinded them to their common sense that they say, oh, no, no, that's hate speech. Everybody has the same rights. You you have to let a guy or a woman who was a dude, you know, not long ago compete against women, including in contact sports, violent sports, because they've taken uh, hormone therapy for a while. It's just, it's a point of view so devoid of, of, of scientific and common sense. I can't believe anybody holds it, but a lot of people do. Um, and they went through, you know, the various thing, the, the, the bone size, the, the, the bone thickness, uh, frame size. They mentioned that in, uh, both in track and in soccer, high school boys can beat the best women in the world just because of the, at the, especially at the, you know, excellent to elite level. Uh, the the differences in in their bodies. Yeah, if you haven't seen the chart on this, it's incredible. Like the top, whatever I was looking at the chart yesterday, like the top fifteen best high school boys in America, there's not a single Olympic woman that could beat those high school kids at high any boys. event. It's amazing. Yeah, and they mentioned the national teams from several nations, including ours. Uh, soccer teams, I should say, women's soccer teams were beaten by 14 and 15 year old boys and, and not like once in a while by a little bit, always and beaten like a drum. And that is not to dem- denigrate women or women's sports or anything. I, I think it's wonderful. Both of my girls <laughs> competed and I think it's great. Yeah, but I feel like this is the first time in human history this conversation is being had. Yeah, I know. Men are way stronger and faster than women on average. So has this conversation ever been had before? Or is it, it was just so obvious to all the cave people. Right, right. And that if somebody just takes hormones for a while and suppresses their testosterone, that returns them to an even playing field, which, again, is wildly untrue. They mention male athletes have a 10 to 12% performance uh, over females in in swimming and running, 20% in jumping, 35% in strength-based sports for similar-sized athletes, okay? And then they get into uh, more uh, physiology-related uh, uh, obvious observations. Um, 
at the elite level of sport and athletics, for example, you can compare men's and women's world records and see, well, it's more statistics. Um, uh, but the part I wanted to get to, uh, a trans woman challenges the binary categories that sports operate with. Before they undergo any testosterone suppressive treatment, a trans woman is effectively a biological male with XY chromosomes, testes, males, high levels of testosterone, who, as a result, has all the physical advantages that any man has over any woman. And some physical advantages that result from high levels of testosterone while growing up will endure. If you have been through a male puberty, then you are going to have height advantages, bigger heart bigger lungs, which will not be affected by testosterone suppression. The science is becoming increasingly clear that there are retained advantages even after testosterone suppression. Then the question becomes how, in light of that science, does a sport governing body juggle the competing priorities of fair competition, safety, and inclusion that can differ depending on the level at which the sport is played and the nature of the particular sport itself? It might be very different in a Sunday league soccer game compared to the Olympics. It is up to individual sports to consider Consider the science and their policy goals, take a position, and if necessary, regulate. I didn't know men had bigger hearts and bigger lungs. Just bigger everything. So if you're a trans uh, woman, then you got to get a heart reduction and a lung reduction if you want to compete on a fair level. How does that work? Uh, you shave off a little of the heart. Shave her down a little. I, I'm not sure you're a doctor. Uh, you're in a white lab coat, but hmm. <laughs> hey, I that really interesting story... Uh, about skateboarding, believe it or not, coming up in a moment or two after a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. Oh man, I love this wireless outdoor security camera. Such a breakthrough. Day and night, super high def. It's keeping a lookout on your home and your stuff. So keeping in mind that US News and World Report named Simply Safe the best home security system of 2021, just flat out. It got even better now that they've got this camera that you can get with the ultra wide 140 degree field of view. Watch your entire backyard, your entire front yard, the street, whatever, wherever you want to put the camera, because you don't need to plug it in. It's battery-operated, really easy to remove rechargeable batteries, um, color, night vision. I mean, it's just fantastic, and it integrates simply with the Simply Safe home security system that hopefully you already have. Yeah, so do a little clickety-click just to find out more. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong to find out more about this exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera. Simply Safe going to knock off 20% from your entire new system and your first month of monitoring services free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. They're helping keep us on the air. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Good stuff. Ah, do we have time for this? Yeah, I guess we do. Um, here it is. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. I've been reading it for 30 years, probably. Um, bass player, founding member of Pearl Jam. Jeff Ament? I don't Ament? Which reminds me that Ament is an officially recognized, and I know this as a grammar Nazi, Ament is an officially recognized contraction. Are you going to the concert tonight? I Ament. I need to start working that into my Do you say Ament or Amped? Amped. Amped. I learned this when I was like four years old because my dad got into a discussion with a neighbor. Were they discussing their beeves? And this was pre-internet, obviously. So he said, that's not a word. And uh, they eventually came back with a dictionary and said, yes, amped is a word. Amped. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it's amant or ament, but uh, he's one of the founding members of Pearl Jam. And he's from a really tiny town in Montana. Uh, Found his way to Seattle, obviously, at some point. But... um, and he was an avid skateboarder. He was also a really great athlete, but he just didn't feel like team sports were the thing for him. 
And so he was an avid skateboarder and got quite good at it. And so he had made if you a, don't think these skateboarders are athletes, you need to stop by your local skate park sometime and watch oh, them for a while. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. So anyway, he made a lot of money in Pearl Jam, obviously. And, and when the COVID hit... He started traveling around Montana, and he decided, because there's a lot of poverty in Montana, it's also number three on the suicide list in America. Hmm. A lot of troubled kids, lonely kids, outcasts, that sort of thing. There are Indian reservations and stuff. Sky's and too big. <clears throat> exactly. It makes you crazy. Um, and, and he decided that the kids of Montana needed skate parks for reasons that he gets into uh, later. And he has built, at his own expense... And with some contributions from other people, but he's poured his fortune into building and maintaining these skate parks all over Montana. And, and a lot, 27 of them, most of them on Montana, three on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, Dakota, and more. Um, and, and, and he talks about it and he goes around, no fanfare, no nothing, super down to earth guy. And, uh, and he says it's, it's much more, it's much bigger than skateboarding. You're teaching t- kids to get up when they fall. If you're in an isolated rural area, you come from a broken, broken home, you're going to fall a lot. And you need to learn perseverance and getting up and just reaching a goal slowly, wreck by wreck, mistake by mistake, and getting better and better and building that skill and the pride that comes from that skill. You know, he just thinks it's it's a really healthy, good thing for kids to do. Even without that, I don't I don't doubt that. But even without that, it is something to do that is exercise and not just sitting around coming up with bad ideas like young people often do. I mean, it is something to do, and 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 it for whatever reason, it does seem to bring a different kind of athlete. It's people that, for whatever reason, like my my, my son has very little skills with, uh, you know, spherical objects, which was the only thing that defined sports when I was a kid. Spherical, for spherical objects. It was either mm-hmm. football, baseball, or basketball, and that was it. If you're playing with a spherical football, that's a weird league you're in. But, but you I, either I see do those point. and you're an yes. athlete, or you don't do those and you're not an athlete. The idea of skateboarding or snowboarding or whatever. But, yeah, so some people have athletic ability. My son's got great ability at this stuff. He's re- really good at it. And, um, and it's something, again, he goes every Saturday and Sunday for hours. Hours just gets drenched in sweat doing this, yeah. and uh, so I can see how this for a certain kind of kid this would be great. And and the other thing that I thought was cool about it is he knows some really great woman skateboarders who do all sorts of clinics for girls and get them involved in it, and and just it gets them out of bad things they could be doing. Hmm. Um, you know, particularly if kids are a little bit on the fringe, um, aren't quite sure where they fit in. Um, you know, as he said, it opens up one more place for kids to find their power and figure out who they are. So, go. anyway, there's a guy who made a hell of a lot of money in entertainment and is just pouring it back into kids in Montana. I think that's very cool. Jeff, well done. Learn how to skate back home slowly with the bones sticking out. That's what some skateboarders learn. Yeah, well, you know what? Honestly, I got my head split open a handful of times playing hockey. And I walked home with blood running down my face. <laughs> Sam left the house last Saturday morning. He's got a a watch he communicates on. He said, I'll moan once if I broke my neck and twice if I broke my back. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you fall hundreds of times and you get up and you keep trying. I don't think you need to be very clever to understand that that's that's a metaphor that's pretty close to just a statement of truth.
So there are a whole bunch of Democrats, luckily not enough, that are trying to turn us into France. We'll check in on that big legislation, see where they are on the vote and on that, among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Last night, lawmakers hunkered down to get serious with a fun game of congressional baseball. The Democrats in blue against the Republicans in red. The game had a special visitor, the president. But which one? Let's go to the announcer's call. There's President Obama with a baseball cap on. President Biden. I said Obama. I'm sorry. Nah, that's me, Jack. Barack Obama. Everybody loves me. I passed a big health care bill, and we're still in Afghanistan having a great time. I love my best friend, Joe Biden. He's going to be president, and I'll pick up when he calls. Si se puede. Come on. Now, with his entire agenda at stake, Biden was schmoozing, snapping selfies, and signing baseballs. He also spent some of the game working the phones and then left the park about an hour after he arrived. That has big, absent dad vibes. Uh-huh, you look great out there, kiddo. Daddy's just on, the, on a work call. Hold on. Okay, I gotta jump on this. Reese's mom is gonna give you a ride home. I'll order you a pizza. Oh, shoot, are you the one with the dairy allergy? I thought that was your sister. Well, just peel the cheese off, buddy. Love you. Love you, buddy. Oh. Oh. Painfully uh, accurate humor there. Well, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> what are you going to do? They've announced the halftime show for the Super Bowl already. Maybe we'll get to that in hour three. I could not care less. Oh, you care deeply. I don't give a single S. Let me check. Wait a minute. Nope. I have no S's to give. So they didn't vote yesterday or last night if you went to bed and forgot to check. They did not vote on either of the infrastructure packages, including... The one that uh, Nancy Pelosi said they were going to do Monday, then said they were going to do yesterday, and then so she just can't corral those 40 to 50 progressives who say, we're not voting on it until we get everything. Yeah. And she hasn't brought it to the floor yet today. What will her wrath look like, I wonder? It might just be accepting reality. might just say, look, this is where we are. The snake is coiled up and hissing. The snake is going to bite somebody. All right. If the New York Times has said she was humiliated as a woman who does not appreciate that sort of thing, I mean, I got plenty of problems with old Nancy, but, man, she's a tough old bird. Think she's going to slip off her shoe and put a stiletto in someone's eye? Or? It could be. It could so don't be. mess with me. Speaker of the House uh, assigns office space. AOC is going to be in a broom closet, and Rashida Tlaib's going to be outdoors getting rained on. I'm telling you, the wrath. Of Nancy. She'll yank them off all their committees? Mm. We'll see. We'll see. The meaner, the better. That's what I say. <laughs> so I'm, I'm beginning to understand, as a total change of topic, the, the giant development company in China, Evergrande, or Evergrande, I've heard it pronounced both ways, and I don't know which is right. Um, so they're facing a debt crisis, and they have unpaid bills of more than $300 billion. They missed a key payment to foreign investors, sent the financial world into a panic, uh, whether China was facing what some people call a Lehman moment from when Lehman Brothers uh, took a dump in 2008. 
That's a, a precise term. term. No, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I retract it. I apologize. Weren't you an econ minor? Didn't you learn better terms than that? I apologize. Uh, So, (laughs) but Beijing has signaled that it will no longer tolerate the strategies and practices that fueled the business expansion of Evergrande, for instance, into a giant real estate company, which is like wild borrowing and all sorts of stuff. But, um, their, their struggles have exposed, exposed the flaws of the Chinese financial system. Uh, this is the Wall Street Journal now. Unrestrained borrowing, expansion, and corruption. The company's crisis is testing the resolve of Chinese leaders to reform as they chart a new course for the country's economy. And make no mistake, Chairman Xi has announced our economy is going to be different now. If they save Evergrande, they risk sending a message that some companies are still too big to fail, which they don't want. And if they don't, as many as 1.6 million home buyers waiting for their unfinished homes and apartments, hundreds of small businesses, creditors and banks may lose their money and go under. And Leland Miller, chief executive of the consulting firm China Beige Book, said, this is a huge quote, this is the beginning of the end of China's growth model as we know it. Wow. The term paradigm shift is always overused, so people tend to ignore it. But that's a good way of describing what's happening right now. That's interesting. So that story from the Wall Street Journal like a week ago that Jonathan Swan said, this is the most important China story you'll read this year, is panning out. About she's saying no, we're we're changing. We're go, we're going back to the Mao days. We're becoming communist again. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs>